two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. I'm not going to start talking about the Packers. There was like three (laughs) weeks in a row where I started talking about the Packers, and we're not doing that because this is our Thanksgiving episode. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Well, happy happy Thanksgiving, man. Uh, Any any big plans or anything like that you got going on, or might make a turkey. Might go to my brother's place. There's a couple options on the on the table. How about you, buddy? Uh, well, we were kind of considering like a last minute trip uh, to Colorado to see the to see the family. But again, just with with as wild as the semester has been, and a couple other things. Uh, uh, now we're probably just gonna stay here, do a little do a little thing here at the house, and um, yeah, I don't know, but still like being thankful, right? Because that's the whole reason for the season, and just delaying like. No, it's not Christmas time yet. I know we, we like went off on that last year, you know, and, and many years too. It's like give Thanksgiving its due. It's not immediate. Okay, let's take down the Halloween decorations and then go to Christmas. Like, no, give Thanksgiving its due. It's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time and a place, a season for all things. <laughs> um, to every wizard's turn, turn. I am a wizard named Mark and I turn, turn. I don't. I don't know. You know, somehow, okay, we can do this instead. Somehow you'd think that in, what is this, our hundredth and, I don't know, something this episode. We've been doing this for a minute, Josh, you and I here at the Two Wizards Podcast. Yeah, yeah. You would think that I would learn how to open a goddamn podcast. And then, and then you couple that with the knowledge that I do two other shows, and I don't know how to open those either. I mean, that's just your style, man. That is, that's just the signature uh, mark. Marky Stardust Magic. At this point, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. You know, yeah, I'll take it. My name is Mark, and I am inconsistent. <laughs> and my name is Josh, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm peeling the blisters off of my fingertips because I'm in dissertation crunch mode. So I've just been typing on the computer all day. <laughs> <laughs> Blister fingertips. Yeah, it's it was it was pretty rough, but uh, but all that grossness aside, uh, welcome everybody to a new. Uh, installment of the Two Wizards podcast at Two Wizards Pod C One, and yes, we've done our introductions, we've done our things, and uh, and, and yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to having another wonderful evening with my friend, talking about all manner of goofy things. <laughs> oh, mark that moment in your recording tonight, Josh, because it's about to get goofy. But lest we get too ahead of ourselves, what is in your Wizards mug tonight, mm-hmm. buddy? Uh, well, you asked me to find something sort of space-related, space, space, space themed um, And it just so happened when we had our previous episode with the, uh, with the Floyds, uh, this is their Lunar Throne Hazy India Pale Ale. Uh, and it's got a cool kind of, like it's not full-on like 40K, but like a cool kind of like spaceman with a, with a chainsaw blade uh, and like a Martian outpost or something like that. Or I guess a lunar outpost if it's lunar um throne mars has um, moons but yeah so that is true that's what i'm that's what i'm drinking uh what about you man i have an elysian space dust ipa out of elysian brewing oh very nice yeah yeah the hopping is pure star glow energy with chinook bitter and late and dry additions of citra and amarillo hops oh god this is 8.2 
Shit. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's going right. to be a fun right. night tonight. Let's go. Bad day tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's a c- 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 callback for you. Well, Mark, here's on you, buddy. Cheers, good buddy. Those are good. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, this is uh, this is pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah. Nice, nice balance of. Um, actually, this is this is really. I'm gonna say this. I know it's gonna sound funny, but this is this is really fruity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a bright and juicy hazy IPA featuring tropical fruit aromas and loaded with American hops. Thank you, Three Floyds. Because uh, yeah, that's pretty dang delicious. Okay, Mark. Well, we have we have these spacey beers talking about stuff. What whatever could our topic be this this week? <laughs> Yeah, because you you don't have any idea, right? I didn't. I don't think I told nope. you anything about this week, and I know I didn't put anything nope. on the drive either to give it away. Well, and even right before I sat down in front of my mic, the Mrs. Wizard popped in. She was going to do a little grocery run, and she said, "Like, oh, what are you guys talking about?" And I said, "Baby, I have I have no clue." So I'm just as surprised. She's as surprised. Our listeners will know. But Mark, what are what are we talking about? Um, I'm not going to tell you. Instead, I'm going to tell you a story, and I want you to stop me okay. if you've heard this one. All right. All right. On July 5th, 1947, the morning after a giant thunderstorm, a sheep rancher named Mac Brazel and his son Vernon discovered a debris field stretching across several acres of their ranch. According to Mac, mm. we came upon a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tin foil, and rather tough paper. The next day, he reported hearing something about flying discs and wondered if the thing that crashed in his field might have been part of that flying disc. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> Brazel then went into town and contacted the local sheriff, who notified one Major Jesse Marcel of the 509th Bomber Squadron. Major Marcel and a man in plain clothes then accompanied Brazel back to his ranch to pick up the rest of the pieces. This, de- this debris was then brought to General Roger Ramey at Fort Worth Army Field, where it was determined to be what, Josh? Because I know you know the answer. An An, an alien? <laughs> <laughs> it's a balloon. <laughs> there was a there was a, a decapodian wearing flip flops who came out of the crash and said, "Hello, people of Earth." <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was just an army bo- or just a weather balloon, Josh. Or just, at just least that's balloon. what they say. Josh, that's what mm. they say, and we can't trust what they say, because no, a never. second package also showed up, up at the base that same week. On the very early morning of the 5th of July, a special recovery team was sent to an area just adjacent to Mr. Mac Brazel's ranch, and the team found part of a wrecked saucer, as well as six dead alien bodies, and that was sent to the same Air Force base there, Josh. Hmm, hmm, hmm. A cover-up, hmm. one might say? Maybe. And you've already heard of this. You knew about it. I know you you didn't think about it, but I know you knew. It's This is the Roswell event. This is the Roswell event. Yes, 19, yeah. 1947. Should, should should be the big tip-off to everybody. It's a, it's a uh, very important year for all things alien-y and UFO-y. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and mapping of the, what was it, the ionosphere? Yeah, I think that's what it, I think that's what it was. Because there was also uh, another the, like, official report that came out. R- right, it was something um, like there's there's a special layer in the atmosphere where like the temperature and the density and everything is just right, where like sound pretty much travels 
forever. And I think they're trying to like use this weather balloon to try and pinpoint where that was. And, and but but that's like super top secret because you don't want the Russians to find out. Right, it's nineteen forty-seven. Right, right. um, not to get a, get too far ahead there, but uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think that was the official report. Um, and then you know, there's also a lot of conspiracy surrounding the Roswell event, and it doesn't really matter because that's not what we're talking about. What if Ooh. I were to tell you that the Roswell, all the Roswell shit. And a couple other bigger things were actually used as a smokescreen for what we're talking about tonight, Josh. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I can dig it. But it's all a great big lie, buddy. Because uh, there was a second something that crashed that night in the New New Mexican desert, about 150 miles away from the town of Corona. As it turns out, this UFO was being tracked by radar on multiple installations. So was the one that crashed at Brazel's ranch. That's how they knew where it crashed. The, the government already knew about him. We knew they were here. We were tracking him. It's also theorized, Josh, that this ship at Corona was actually the same. Sh- or was sorry that this ship that crashed in Corona was in a cra- crashed because it hit the other ship that crashed in Brazel's field. Oh wow! Okay. So we have like head-on UFO collision in a thunderstorm. Whoa! Okay, I'm maybe. in. Maybe I love it. I maybe. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the Brazel crash site, the Corona site had a pretty solid debris field, but it also had a saucer that was about 60% intact. Whoa, that's pretty good. It's pretty good, right? Um, mm-hmm. They also found several dead bodies that they couldn't identify, and they found an alive body. And this alive body was hiding behind a rock. It was an alien, Josh. It had a, you know, kind of small frame with a big head and big almondy eyes. And you might mm-hmm. say, you might call it a gray and that would be racist. <laughs> what we did call it was EBE-1, or Extraterrestrial Biological Entity Number 1. All right. Uh, the being seemed to be calm. It was given water, but didn't take any food. And it was then brought to the base at either Roswell or Los Alamos, depending on our source. Just depends. Mm-hmm. EBE-1 was kept in American custody. During this time, we established a form of communication. He quickly learned English, but found it hard to speak, because apparently, Josh, the Eben species, uh, they speak in a high tonal language that sounds something like singing. Oh, all right. Over time, he got a good handle on English, and he explained to his handlers about his home world of Serpo, located 40 light years away in the Zeta Reticuli star system. His people were the sole inhabitants of that planet, and they had existed for about 10,000 years. So if we're doing this, like, you know, the Earth calendar, they've been around for 10,000 years, right? So mm-hmm. 5,000 BC, um, the even people had to make a mass exodus of their home world because it was collapsing due to high volcanic activity. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's a real bitch. It'll get you every time. Um, yeah, every single time. Yeah, every single time. Uh, <laughs> then 3,000 years ago... A uh, bulk of the Eben species was lost in a war with another species of aliens. Oh. Now, okay. we don't know who they were, but we might have an idea here. Um, I don't know if any listeners picked it up. Maybe they did. But the uh, greys that abducted Betty and Barney Hill showed Betty Hill a star map on the UFO and identified their homeworld as being located in the Zeta Reticuli system. So... Maybe, just maybe, the Greys and the Ebens were at war. We don't know. Who can say? Not me, because that was a void I can't stare into tonight. Okay, nice. 
Yeah. <laughs> Alien Wars, Josh. <laughs> this is the part of Thanksgiving where your uncle's had too many beers and starts getting all conspiratorial. <laughs> <laughs> EBE1 explained how his people turned to exploration post-war, and he was ass- and that he was assigned to the research ship that had crashed. But he was just an engineer, and he didn't really know what they were doing on Earth. He was just kind of there. But mm. his people had been coming here for generations. There was one, Eben, that you might even have heard of. His name was Jesus Christ. No way. No way. Jesus was what? an alien. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus wasn't an alien. <laughs> No way. (laughs) Also, I want to point out here, you can tell how real this is because of the details in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Exactly 10,000 years, 5,000 years, mass exodus. (laughs) EBE-1 worked with military scientists to build a communication device to attempt to contact his people back on Serpo and organize a pickup. Um, EBE-1 phoned home six times, all six of which failed we don't know if they made it but they Mm. didn't get a response okay so he's been on earth now for about four years and ebe1 is not doing that well josh in fact he's pretty damn sick and he's Mm. starting to worry if he's actually going to get through to his people and then early in 1952 ebe1 died oh man yeah yeah, but the the human scientists, well, goddammit, we're humans, and they're Americans, so you know they're double persistent. Well, yeah. they doubled down, and they got a message through. In December of 1952, they made contact with the planet Serpo. Whoa. All right, all right. We made contact with an alien world December 1952. I, I, you've heard about it, right? The day we made contact, 1952. Yeah. yeah. Everybody. Yeah, everybody has. And I can hear your wheel spinning, Josh. You know, weather balloons, government cover-ups, tonal aliens, phoning home. Phoning home, even? Phoning home. I don't know. This all sounds really goofy. And why does it sound so goofy? Well, probably because it's so goddamn familiar, Josh. <laughs> we have been fed this story a hundred times, a dozen times, at least one time, by Steven Spielberg, who was hired by the United States government to put this idea into our heads to make all this shit just a little bit more palatable. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then right, also, right. but then on the same token, you put this shit out and it's completely bullshit. There's no alien that eats Reese's pieces. Shut up. <laughs> Go away. So it's it's literally a two-pronged attack, right? And so mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg was just hired by the United States government as a smokescreen false flag, just like uh Roswell was a smokescreen. Oh, we're getting levels deep here, buddy. Oh man. This is okay, so I so so I, I I just finished a dissertation chapter on meta theater and metadrama. Okay. Like, yeah, like plays that are about plays or plays that have plays in them. And it's the whole like, oh, no, it's it, uh, it, it, it creates this estrangement effect, this alienation effect where the oh. audience like has to sit back and be like, whoa, just like I'm watching these characters in a play. What if somebody's watching me like I'm a character in a play? <laughs> So we have, yeah, we have meta uh, alien stories, yeah, that are just getting layered and layered and layered on top so that by the time we actually get there, it's, oh man, okay, all right. But my mind is already boggled and I get a feeling we're we're only just getting started. (laughs) Oh, buddy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I also want to point out we saw this plot line in uh, Paul. That was like the whole thing that Paul was yeah. doing at Area mm-hmm. 51 was just writing scripts to as a soft form of disclosure and dissemination, but also just... And that's where I get hung up is we know it's not real, Josh, right? We know everything I'm telling you tonight is probably just, you know, total bullshit. But well, yeah, because they're telling like, us that they told us that it was bullshit. So we right. need to believe that them telling us that it was bullshit means that it was true. I don't know. And then any opportunity where, you know, maybe something different happens and you try and convince people are like, get out of here. I've seen E.T. Uh, you're just, yeah, you're just quoting the movie Paul to me. <laughs> it's like, no, but really, ah, it's brilliant. It's deviously brilliant. <laughs> So meanwhile, back on Earth, EDE-1 was dead. Uh, but the next year, or but within that next year early, about January or February, uh, Americans had established a reliable form of communication with the alien planet Serpo. Okay. Through this communication, we decided that you guys seem pretty cool. Come get your dead homie. And a window was set up to come pick up EBE-1's body and the other dead bodies out of government cold storage, where they had been sitting. For six years now. The meeting date was set for 1958, and we got all ready to go. They were going to show up at White Sands Air Base, and 1958 comes, and nothing happens. And then we don't hear anything, and then we wait. And then we wait again until 1962, Josh, right? That's right, the groovy year, 1962, when the Ebens showed up. (laughs) Only four years late. I, I distinctly remember uh, being in seventh grade in social studies class and that famous, oh man, I know I know everybody else was falling asleep because they'd heard it before, but yeah, 1962 when the when the Ebians showed up finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or as was portrayed by Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black. When the oh, when the Ebens finally did show up, they pulled out our bad, and they explained that their culture had evolved past the use of time. They just didn't do it. Time wasn't a thing that they did, and they kind of made fun of the humans at the landing site for, or you know, they kind of laughed at the humans and said, "What do you mean you were waiting for us? We we said we were going to show up around now. Here we are. You know what? Yeah. What uh-huh. did you want a real? T- They're really bad step parents. Is basically it. You know, like, <laughs> hey, sorry, I forgot to pick you up from your game, champ. My bad. And it's been raining for hours, and you picked up right, yeah. pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> but the humans were like, oh my god, that sounds so cool. Like you guys don't have time. I'm sure that there's a ton that we can you know learn from each other. Maybe we should arrange a play date. And the Ebens said, fuck yeah, let's go, Josh. And the plans were laid out to make a journey to the planet Planet Serpo. Serpo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I'm so I'm so excited. I'm 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 here for this, man. I am here for this. (laughs) That was a 20 minute prelude. And much like my lovemaking technique, there's a lot of foreplay, and then the actual vent is kind of disappointing. <laughs> but we all got to where we're going. Before we get there, though, I need to get to where my, my sources come from. Okay. Um, everything that you just heard and are about to hear is me compiling shit out of a 700-page book called 
Project Serpo, a top-secret human exchange program by Richard Dempsey. All right, all right. Now, as far as I can tell from free samples on Amazon, this is him, this is Dempsey, copying and slightly adding to another book called Secret Journey to the Planet Serpo by Len Caslin. Now, to be fair, Len Caslin is like the big, you know... He's the patient zero of disclosure for this. He was the first one to co- collaborate or to correlate all this shit and put it together. Um, okay. But he pulled it off of printing a series of forum posts from a 2005 website called serpo.org, which is now totally defunct. So basically, mm. I took my source from a guy that copied a thing off a thing that somebody else saw. So I think at this point, I'm basically the Aeneid of human yeah. alien contact. Yeah, I think that sounds spot on. Yep. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, I want to point out that uh, both of these books were just copied from the forum posts, so they weren't changing them, and I was kind of trying to see what I could get like on Google Preview for the other. But they're the same post. Like, he, they, they weren't going in and changing specifics or anything. Um, furthermore, Josh, furthermore, though, there is a home-based astronomer who acted as the main communication point during this exchange, one Dr. Carl Sagan. No, oh, what? What? Wait, like, like, like that guy or like Carl with a K? <laughs> nah, it's Carl S. Sagan. It's not the right one, but they just love like to point that out. And also, Carl Sagan is a disinformation agent. So you okay, just need to enough. keep yeah. that in mind. Just so. Just like you and I tell people that uh, one of our theater professors was Paul Newman. Exactly. And they're like, oh, wait, yeah. wait, wait, really? Paul Newman? It's like, well, Paul S. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> That's S for a big swinging dick. Doc, we miss you. <laughs> yeah, miss you, Doc. <laughs> so this Carl Sagan, um, he died in, I want to say 2007 or eight, but he corroborated uh, and helped kind of like pin down the information that was presented on the forum. So he's <laughs> like the dude who was at the library of Alexandria and read a couple dust jackets. Okay. Gotcha. So literally he does nothing, but he's also (laughs) a point of like, Oh yeah, there was totally this thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. Now take a big oblivion sea king gulp because it's about to get so stupid. (laughs) All right, here we go. Cheers. Oh, finish that beer. (laughs) how bad it is you gotta be you gotta be on a second level this is you know like stan yeah. when he enters the matrix by getting shit housed yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so josh um the ebens and the humans decided to hammer out a return date that would work for humans because you know we do keep time and they mm-hmm. decided that they would come back to earth in 1964 I know you remember okay. 1964 is probably being close yep. to the year that one of your parents might have been born or, or the year of the exchange, right? Oh, Surely, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the plan was to take 12 humans back. Um, in some cases, or, in, or according to some accounts, there are only 12 men, all 12 astronauts, or, or not, they're not astronauts, that's not fair. All 12 members of the team were men. In the Rebecca Sugar version, there are two women and ten men. I bring this up not only as a callback, but I also need to shout out here super or the most famous abductee in the world ever, Whitley Strieber. Um, 
was made privy to this information when somebody walked up to him at a book signing and whispered the word Serpo in his ear. He thought they said Serpico in his ear and mm. thought it was, you know, the guy being a weirdo. And then the guy palmed him a flash drive with the archived documents on it. Because Whitley, so you might know Whitley Strieber is the guy who wrote Communion, very, very famous contactee of the Greys, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy palms him a flash drive with all this information on it and Stryber immediately reads it all. And Stryber emphatically states that there is no way in all the documents that he read that there were any women. He even goes so far as to say that they could not have been women because women would have been physically incapable of making the trip. The point I'm trying to point out here is that Whitley Stryber is a dick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All that is to say... I also want to point out that whole bit that I just told you, that's like 20 pages in this, the, the, there is a, the, the, the fucking line. He said, he told, he said to me Serpico, but I thought he's, or Serpo, but I thought he said Serpico is in this book. And it's like, why is this in here? 700 pages. I did it for you guys. Um, the team was going to be picked out of a pool of 56,000 individuals. It eventually became, came to consist of eight air force, two army, two Navy, and out of that, two were doctors, Those one of them might have been a woman, three were scientists, two were pilots, definitely not women, two were security personnel, definitely not women, two were linguists, one was probably a woman, and then they had a commanding officer. And again, you can tell how real it is because of all the details that were involved. But here's some of the requirements. Number one, they had to have distinguished accomplishment in their you know branch of military. These had to be the best of the best of the best of the best. They also needed to be married to the job, as in you're single and you ain't got no children's. Right, right. You also needed to be super cross-trained in a variety of just, you know, the the baddest of 1952 military, or I guess this is 1960 military intelligence that we have. Mm-hmm. The ones that made it were then subjected to a process called sheep dipping. You know what sheep dipping is, Josh? Have you heard of this? It's been floating around the last I... couple of years more and more. I, I have not. I don't, I don't think I know what that is. It's the idea that an individual is completely removed from their system of everything. So they literally erase you. They erase you from all military records. They go to your CEO and say that, no, there was no, you know, Lieutenant Streeter here. No, never, not once. Uh, they erase your birth. You died in high school. Like, you don't exist. They men in black your ass. It's crazy. And okay. apparently the government does it all the time if we're to be believed. Okay, Actually, okay. kind of wonder if that isn't true. 16 people total were sheep dipped because you got to have alternates just in case something goes wrong, you know. Mm. The actual training lasted 167 days. And it involved each member being locked in a 5 by 7 box, which was then buried underground with enough food and water for five days. And there they sat in the darkness for five days. Ah, it was so bad. I don't know. I don't know. Again, <laughs> they pointed out that regimen a lot. Um, they mm. were also fitted with a suicide pill implanted into one of their teeth, like, you know, super cool spy. So just in case I mean, something that got is, bad, you could, you know, auto-suicide. That is, that is I, you know, forward-thinking, a little dark, but, you know, realistically... Yep. Forward thinking, yeah. We don't know. What if the Ebens are malicious and they're going to find Earth's location and invade it with their superior technology because they can, you know... Again, 1950s, like, we're still on the ground. Like, Sputnik isn't even a thing yet, you know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. The four pilots spent 
uh, weeks training at the Nevada. Sorry, spent weeks training in Nevada at the Groom Lake site using uh, using that first craft that they recovered that was like sixty percent. Uh, EBE one helped them rebuild it a little bit, and then the Ebens also like kind of sent them like the IKEA spaceship instructions. <laughs> right, with with like yeah, a little instruction manual. But yes, it's in hieroglyphs that you can't read. But hey, so is Swedish, um, <laughs> and that's why there's a little cartoon alien dude that's uh, doing, doing it up. <laughs> Swedish is a high tonal language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to uh, UFO insiders, these initial test flights are responsible for rash outbreak of UFO sightings in the Nevada region. Okay, I like that. Double down. Cool. Like, I like that. I don't care if it's yeah. real or not. It's great. You know, yeah. like, hey, there's like these UFO sightings. Oh, fuck. That was the Americans training to go to Serpo. But they told you it was aliens. So you would believe that aliens right. were coming here, not that we were going there. Like, the cover-up, Josh, the cover-up. Again, man, like, the, the always thinking four steps ahead, underwater, outer space, 5D chess. 5D got us a, got us a space force. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> This intrepid crew also underwent a full curriculum, Josh. Oh, my God. Did they have to go to school? Did they have to be nerds? And here is where we kind of break down in our, you can tell it's real by how, you know, detailed it is because it gets kind of stupid here. Intro to space exploration. Astronomy 101. Okay, maybe. Even anthropology 101. Probably a good idea. Even history 101. And then we get stupid. High altitude and field medical training, as well as survival, escape, and evasion tactics, which if you're the best of the best in your military field, you probably should be the best at that anyway. Basic mm -hmm. weapons training and anti-interrogation techniques. And once again, this is during the Cold War, like, you know, ramping up to Cold War, like post-Korea. We should already be not training our guys to be interrogated. I don't know, but it lasted. Leading up to yeah. the start of the mission, all the members were sequestered in cells in Fort Leavenworth to prevent their talking to anybody or escaping. Oh, shoot. Okay. Which, and then I get to thinking, though, they're a sheep mm -hmm. dip. Like, their family, their families think they're dead. Who are they going to yeah. talk to? Yeah, I, that is a good point. That hmm. is a good point. I don't know. I, but you know, too, if it's a 10-year trip, I'm going to kind of worry a little bit about it. Like, maybe you get cold yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So the Ebens touched down on April 24th, 1964 at the White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico. They were greeted by several heads of state, including the U.S. president at the time. You know, hmm. we all know yeah. Lyndon fucking Baines Johnson was there. <laughs> you Ebens like scotch? I bet you Ebens like scotch. You want to see Jumbo here? We don't know what Jumbo is. <laughs> That's all, I can, that's all I can think about is like, so, okay, like historically right now, 1964, governments might be at their drunkest. Yeah. You know, like society yeah. might be at its drunkest. The foot you're putting forward is Lyndon Johnson and a couple of religious figures and a couple like high ranking military. Ooh, ooh, it's a bad first impression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty... <laughs> Uh, I, I, not, not my first pick, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. 
<laughs> you know, they fucking talked to Kissinger, too, and he just, like, bored them, and they're like, you are the most evil human in existence. <laughs> <laughs> we were not sending our finest. <laughs> no. Well, no, because we sent, the, you know, the finest met them, but we were going to send them our finest, Josh. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. All right. The ship that touched down was piloted by an Eben named Noah. Noah was Ooh. super good at English and kind of acted as like their foreign exchange student. He was going to stay behind on Earth. Okay. Um, the crew boarded the Eben ship and they piloted away from Earth. Josh, remember that first time that, you know, humans broke atmosphere in April 24th, 1964? Yeah, totally. And then they flew their ship from Earth to a rendezvous point where they were picked up by a larger mothership, which according to them Ooh. took six hours just to get there. So, you know. Wow. That's, that's what is impressive. that? That's the half the distance to the moon or something. The moon is 18 hours, I think. Uh, well, well, so it, um, it, Might for the Apollo, room. yeah, for, for the Apollo programs, it took like three days to, uh, to, to coast into lunar orbit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they just made it to this bigger mothership in six hours. No problem. Advanced yeah. alien technology. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Why? Easy. Easy. But you see, I didn't bother to look up like the Apollo program because it's all fake. It's all a smokescreen well, yeah, to hide this true. shit. Yeah. Because we can't yeah. handle the truth until yep. I'm telling you guys the truth now. Josh, prepare your brain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and thus began the journey to Serpo, Josh. And lest we get to Thanksgiving-y giving again where, you know, you had to... Listen to your drunk uncle spew conspiracy theory. Remember going to your grand... Well, maybe you don't. I don't know. I remember traveling for Thanksgiving a lot. And, you know, like... Oh, yeah. My or parents... Uh, my mom yeah. was in spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or holidays in general. My mom was in springs. Grandparents were in Denver. So, you know, mm -hmm. I was about an hour, hour and a half out. So, like, you know, getting to was a long way. And then getting home was even worse. Because all you wanted to do was get home, right? And so that yeah. travel time. Mm -hmm. And then I think about how this took them nine months to get to. They went. 40 million light years, Josh, in just nine short months. Yeah, that's that's unreal. Uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That, that's just bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> well, even like, yeah, speaking of Thanksgiving and, and like traveling and stuff, I have, uh, yeah, and I think I've mentioned them before, but yeah, I had some family live up in Grand Junction. And like we would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not like all the time, but a good number of times, that's where, that's where we would go for Thanksgiving. And yeah, that's like a. I think that's like a five or six hour drive uh, from Alamosa. And yeah, like just that whole like, oh God, like when you're going over there, it's exciting. You, you know, you get to see your cousins, you get to play, you're going to have this great dinner. But then just on the drive back, you're like, oh yeah, I have school next week. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, ha ha having to do that for nine months. Well, but but then again, right. If, if you're going, if, if that's the nine months out, that's the exciting, like, oh man, I can't wait to see what the, what the alien world of Serpo is going to look like. Uh, but then that trip back is just going to be a slog. <laughs> so here we need to talk about how did they make nine months? Well, the Eben ship used a combination of electromagnetism and anti-gravity to rocket itself around space. It makes a dip in space and then pushes through the dip. Mm, okay. 
Basically, the way that Einstein explained gravity is, you know, being a dip and you can go through it. That's how they did it. The trip was designed for the humans to be awake. Like, they could have been awake and all right and dicking around. But they found that the intense pressure of the magnets made it such that they had a hard time just, like, you know, getting up and talking to people, let alone, like, running shit. And since the ship was on autopilot, they all induced into a cryogenic-like sleep. It wasn't cryogenics. They were just kind of, like, yeah, but turned they, but- off. Yeah, it, it was like that, but which also I I just had to look up. So Zeta Reticuli, that's yeah, where they were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's uh, thirty nine point three light years from Earth. I I rounded up to forty. It sounds more impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's true. Too, <laughs> it's but, also light yeah, years, like give or take a million, or you know, a hundred. Yeah, million, right, whatever. right, right. So yeah, 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 crazy, crazy, crazy. But 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 it's a real thing. God damn it! <laughs> it happened. It happened, guys. We it wrote happened, a book about it. it. <laughs> fucking 700 pages about it. <laughs> Amanda is sick of me. This, you know what? Just, you know, like, so this time, what, two years ago, we were doing Edmund Fitzgerald, and she was so sick of me crying about all the dead people that died yeah. on that and the Daniel J. Morrell. And now she's sick of me in a whole new way. So it's my relationship is great, is my point. <laughs> so the crew slept for nine months, basically, in a weird sort of induced coma. I'm not really sure the sources are hazy at best and they're multiple at best but i'll just say i dreamed that they slept and then as they slept they dreamt of me knowing that they slept and everything was cool except for when they got to serpo and woke up they found out that one of their doctors had died from a stroke oh my god okay which it also kind of put a damper on like you know first contact because the first thing the ebens did was take the doctor and the americans were like no damn you he's a soldier we can't leave him behind like but we will take him now and we don't know what happened to him and until no, never the end know of what our happens. trip yeah oh oh, <laughs> oh okay to, to, to the oh, end of the trip oh, oh boy there's some oh oh buddy oh you just wait okay all right <laughs> <laughs> well i mean hey after this long journey, you, you know, right, also talking about these long road trips where you just have to get out and stop at a gas station and stretch your legs and get something to drink. I have with me a second lunar throne from Three Floyds. Nice. You liking them? Yeah, yeah, these are these are solid. Cool, cool. I'm sticking with Elysian. It's what I bought. It's real good. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Alrighty, here we are. Here we are. Cheers on you, sir. Cheers on you. All righty. So we're there. It sucks that our doctor had a stroke. And we that our an host. Well, yeah. And that our host just kind of like whisked him off down this like non-Euclidean hallway. And say like, well, <laughs> hey, where where are you taking him? It's like, eh, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> it all, all is well. <laughs> It's cool, dog. <laughs> I'm trying to think about what a tonal language... Because in my mind, they're just auto-tuned. Right, yeah. That's what it... We we made it to the planet Serpo, Josh. 30 minutes later, here we are. Um, and so I'm going to... Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Because you just made me think of this. You okay. know nothing about this case. This is no. first contact with an alien species. We have established uh, as a species that is able to travel intergalactically. That is a species of explorers. So really quick, I'm just going to run it down for you. Um, okay. the, the planet Serpo was like Tatooine in that it had a binary 
solar system or or a binary sun system, right? Uh So there was always one stationary sun and a second sun that moved around them. Okay. Uh, There was never total darkness on the planet, but it did get dark, kind of, sort of. There are 200 pages, apparently, of calculations that back this point up. I don't know where they are. Serpo.org. Who knows? What we do know is that a day was about 44 hours long. A year is about 885 days. Like, and this is all in human scope. But, um, Mm. so, knowing that, knowing there's two suns, um, this planet is hot as shit. Uh, It ranges between 80 and 110 degrees on a good day. Very little Mm -hmm. water. You just called it with the the, the non-Euclidean hallway that the doctor was dragged down. Josh, what does, like, the capital city of the planet Serpo look like in your mind? I, I, I mean, okay, considering all, all of that, uh, I would I would guess it would have to be... I'm going to say it's, like, maybe in, like, a, in like, a, like, a crater or a canyon where okay. there's some sort of, like, natural kind of shade-ish, something like that. Kind, kind of, so it's maybe, like, kind of, like, a sunken... Not like... Not like a complete, or, or I don't know, shit, maybe it is like completely buried underground. But that, that that's kind of what I'm picturing. Oh, in my buried mind's underground. Eye. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. It was actually kind of like the really touristy spots in Taos, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the number one Ebens like the heat. Uh, long days and lots of it meant that Ebens. Basically, they just made their entire civilization around the equator belt of the planet. Man, there's some some gnarly dudes, those Ebens. Yeah, they get the desert boost, I think. I'm pretty sure they're Mansa Musa, and they just get, like, the desert boost. I don't know. but It's got to be something like that, yeah. Uh, there's almost no open water on the planet. It was mostly concentrated to hot springs around volcanic areas and then deep underground aquifers. This is where the Ebens would get their water from. And the water was clean and the humans could drink it. Mm. Uh, a typical Eben city was said to be kind of short. They describe it as short. There was buildings that were made out of an adobe looking like substance. Hmm. Which and, that would make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, hot, hot heat. You'd, I guess adobe is, you know, universal magic in its purest form. Yeah. Yeah, we, all, we all learn Adobe. We all develop a sun religion, and we all learn how to make Adobe. Yeah. <laughs> Homes were pretty inauspicious, Josh. They had a family room and then a central sleeping chamber and then a chamber or, and then a room, you know, like a kitchen. But it was like more of an alcove. The team was given full run of the planet and everything on it. The Ebens did not care that they were here. It talks about how, like, they just walked into places that they thought they shouldn't be allowed to be. They watched Eben women give birth. That's how much access Whoa. they had. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, that is right. That is a lot of access. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a ton of access. You know, it's a little bit more access is they watched the Ebens fucking, which is apparently like humans. Oh. They just did a missionary position. Okay. All right. Multiple postings about how an alien race has sex, Josh. Let me just tell you, buddy. (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, that is something we humans tend to be really interested in. (laughs) We don't know if a human fucked an Eben. That was not to be determined. At least not on the official records. It's probably, you know, off, off the books... 
Off um, the maybe they had a policy of don't of don't ask, don't tell, <laughs> and then our <laughs> weird tonal voice and weird tonal language. <laughs> oh, my mind went to a dark place. Um, yeah, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> Just. You know the you know the like the blacked image and what is it Piper Perry sitting on the couch? Oh like yeah, the, but it's it's that but it's the Eben sur- like it's the tiny ass Eben surrounding like one normal sized human woman. <laughs> That's gross. That's yeah. real gross. <laughs> um, so a survey of the planet was taken within the first two years. The entire planet, okay. the entire planet was mapped, Josh. Um, huh? some notable locations were a uh, desert plateau which was revealed to have 3,000 foot deep uh, like canyons mm. and inside of these canyons were like these big kind of rainforests okay don't so ask I me was, how there's was... rainforests on a planet without rain but okay yeah. also yeah you were kind of right with the whole underground idea yeah I was I was kind of getting or yeah or a canyon or a cliff or something that was that was yeah. close ish yeah, yeah yeah um there was so as you go up and down uh you're, you know you so as you headed north temperatures got colder and mountains got real high they would mm. get as high as 1500 feet or 15,000 feet sorry so they had 15ers up there oh wow okay good yeah good on them um, these 15ers were super heavily forested. Oh, wow. Which I guess would also kind of make sense if it's like cooler up there. It would be drier right. though, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. They said it, they looked like uh, conifer trees or pine trees. Listeners oh, refer okay. back to our forests episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, they nicknamed this place Little Montana. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> It's kind of cute. <laughs> a, little, a little Montana. That is pretty cute. I like that. Uh, the humans also kind of settled up in this region because it was generally colder. But the Ebens didn't go up here because they didn't like the cold. So they maintained. They, they just kind of left it. Um, there were these super herds of a large, of large oxen-like creatures. A type of highly curious thing that they said looked a lot like a mountain lion with a scruff. So a mm. lion? Question mark. <laughs> just a lion <laughs> <laughs> probably just a fucking lion <laughs> the Edens took a lion fuck you uh, what was that one Joshua the lion oh yeah 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 <laughs> that, that, that horrible was bible cartoon <laughs> <laughs> oh listeners check back in December Josh and I are doing an update yes, I just decided are. I'm calling an audible here we're watching fucking Joshua the lion yes we um, are <laughs> at one point the team met a giant armadillo creature which attacked them oh dang all right it's about the size of a volkswagen bus and it got the drop on them and the humans killed it josh because of course the americans brought dang. their guns dang okay yeah 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 um the ebens were super pissed off not because they killed a thing but they were super mad that the humans had brought weapons with them that was not part of the agreement which, okay, yes, I would, if I were an Eben in that situation, yes, I would also be very upset. Um, but also, I'd be just as mad at myself and my, like, security protocols. Because, what like, you're not going to, like, check their luggage? You're not going to, like, run them through 
your high tech Eben metal detector. <laughs> no, this is pre Eben nine eleven. God damn it! This is Eben sixties. Yeah. We just was... you fucking smoke on the plane. You fucking that... smoke on the ship to Serpo. That that was their nine. <laughs> your wife walked you to the terminal. Like never forget. The one giant armadillo that those humans killed. Even 9-11, god damn it. Everyone should. <laughs> Everyone fucking should. <laughs> Every Eben should. E- Eben one should. E- sh- 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 I don't... I don't. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, uh, well, it, it, it sounds like the humans are like... Kind of making some adjustments, maybe having a yeah. couple of faux pas, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So again, they were there for ten years, and I'm sure. So Josh, um, right now you walk out your back door. Oh, not right now because it's dark there. But any given Sunday, you walk out your back door when it's daylight. How many birds you reckon you count? Oh man, especially around here. Oh god, I don't know. Probably like, I'd say at least ten. At yeah, least 10. at least right and. Yeah. Probably like small, you know, yep. like, you know, small, small fishing game, so to speak. Like, you know, there's a rabbit, there's a squirrel, there's, right. there's a mouse, there's a feral cat, there's a barn cat, there's a bobcat, right? Well, mm-hmm. somehow Serpo just didn't have shit on it, buddy. Hmm. Um, They found one large snake-like thing somewhere south of the equator. We don't talk about the South Pole either. Something happened to the South Pole, we don't talk about it. I don't know why. Oh, but they, okay. I don't know. But they found this, you know, big-ass snake thing that they killed and dissected and determined it to be a big-ass snake, but not related to the big-ass snakes on Earth. There is a bit about snake autopsy. They saw two distinct types of birds, Josh, only two types of birds in ten years, and one flying squirrel-looking thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, wildlife is... the, 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 The planet Pandora, this ain't. Uh, but what it did have was these like mini cockroach things, which were harmless, but they got all up into the cruise equipment, like just all throughout it. So basically the entire world of Serpo is boiled down to Arizona, Montana, or the New Mexican desert. (laughs) But it's all right because I don't want to lose the aliens through the trees. We should talk about the Eben people. Up until right, now, we, yeah, yeah. we skirted around them. This is this is a cultural exchange. What what yeah. do we learn from them? Well, number one, they were basically commies. Oh, okay. Um, Ebens just sort of did whatever really needed doing. You could pick what you wanted to do, but you just kind of, you know, there was a problem, you fixed it. That's sort of how society operated. There wasn't really crime. There wasn't really a need for punishment. There wasn't really... A, they were opposed to money civilization, so none of this mattered to them. All they want to do is explore. Literally, this is Gene Roddenberry Star Trek realized in 1962, in 1952, 10,000 years ago, alongside humanity, the perfect civilization. I want to believe. Family planning was super important because the Ebens maintained a balance with what Serpo could give. A uh, family consisted of a, a mother, a mother, a father, and a child, but the raising of the child was seen as a role that all Ebens were responsible for. Okay. So literally, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Um, they didn't keep time because it was a pain in the ass to keep time. The humans soon found out that, like, the dual sun system and yeah. not really knowing how long an hour was... They, they brought watches, in, but the watch batteries died within the first two years. 
Right, so, yeah. And even then, what, what are you going to convert, you know, Earth to even Greenwich Central? Central? Like, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. Yes. Well, and, and, and yeah, with a, with a binary star system, it's, it's, it's light and then it's more light. <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't, we, we don't have this nice, easy division of the sun and the moon here on Earth. So, you know, that, that also makes, that also makes sense why, you know, there's that miscommunication or that misunderstanding about when they were going to get to Earth in the first place. Cause, right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, because they were trying to, they just gave like I guess, you know, dates relative to like astrological body positioning. Mm-hmm. So when you know Earth is here, we'll be there. Oh, well, we you know we missed it by 4 years. Our bad, dog. Yeah, yeah. Good thing it runs on a circle, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um they kind of ran their society based on a sundial system. The people knew what to do during different times of the day, so like morning would be go work the fields. Uh, afternoon would be whatever it, whatever needed done they did but also they just kind of fucked around they just were allowed to pursue their own delights they didn't have television or radio but the Ebens were all about them beats Josh because their language was tonal they were already given to singing so yeah, makes sense. just singing and dancing was commonplace Ebens are so happy they dance in the streets in this sun-baked paradise but again, this is a cultural exchange, and the humans exchanged some culture with them in the form of good old-fashioned American sports, baseball and football. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Ebens lacked any athletic ability at all, never mind the fact that they lost, you know, a bulk of their people to an intergalactic war, which if they're not athletic, then that probably explains why they lost the war. But uh, they yeah. loved watching the humans perform these sports. Like, there was... So it talks about how, like... In a couple posts, there is this like almost idea of a proto-American baseball team traveling around playing pickleball to the delightment of the Ebens. Because they went around the entire planet a couple fucking times. And it talks about how fucking delighted the Eben people were by this. And like they would or they organized like a conference of Eben versus humans. It was weird, but like the Ebens weren't athletic. They lost every game. They couldn't catch the fucking ball. Apparently, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And that's where my brain broke when it's like we taught them fucking football and baseball. Right. <laughs> Which you know, for for an advanced society to be capable of interplanetary travel, like you would imagine, there'd be some sort of understanding of ballistics and you know trajectories and things like that which sure you, you can like do that on paper and you can build a ship to do that but also like i would love to see the nasa and the jet propulsion lab like baseball team i, I don't know if they would be the okay. most <laughs> okay okay fucking fair so, point okay okay so i'm so i'm i'm kind of laughing but i'm also giving the ebens a, a pass where it's like okay no i i get it nerds i get it <laughs> That is, huh? All right, all right. Interesting. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Cool. Pop my balloon. I like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not popping. Not, I'm just, not that they, I'm no, no, no. Another... Not that they couldn't. Just that they, they. Neither could we. Which have you seen NASA? Yeah. A bunch of nerds. <laughs> nerds. Which now, now I'm just picturing like the humans going around and just like being total chads and like. Pushing these virgin ebens around, like, hey, 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 nerd, what you gonna do? Like, check your sundial. 
What up? 24-hour military time much, nerd? <laughs> Stop it, Brian. What are you doing? What are you doing? I was just dancing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, well, okay. I don't know if this is maybe something that, that you're getting to, but also understanding that this is the Two Wizards podcast. Uh, Mark, I don't think I've really heard you say much about what, what the Ebens eat. What, what like, food do they have? Josh, I have got to ask you to not read my script, baby. Oh, dang it. Was, <laughs> because oh, literally right the there. next line is, it what? wasn't all good times on Serpo. As you can imagine, okay. the humans had a rough time with the constant heat, but they also had a hard time consuming Eben food. There it is. Okay, see, look, man. <laughs> e, uh, w- 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 it's... It, it could be half the country away. It could be 40 light years away. You and I just vibe on such a level that, well, and or we just talk about food constantly. So, okay, so Mark, <laughs> humans were struggling. What exactly were they struggling with? <laughs> I don't know if the Americans celebrated Thanksgiving on Serpo. Probably not because they couldn't keep track of time. Yeah. But. They also had a really hard time eating the Eben food. Now, number one, the crew brought enough rations. They brought sea rations. Always sea rations. Always sea rations in right. the post, right, Josh. Right, right. Always sea rations. They brought um, two years' worth and with, and with you know, proportion – or no, so they rationed the rations and got an extra eight months out of them. Again, you can tell how real it is by how specific – um, mm. But they ate those, and then when they ran out, well, God, they had to eat the Eben's food, which was mostly vegetables. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm an American, damn it. I'm an American man in 1965. I'd need my meat and cigarettes, damn it. That's, oh, God. I, I Yeah, and I'm just picturing a bunch of Ron Swansons up there and saying, excuse me, I believe you brought me the food that my food eats. <laughs> Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was mostly a tasteless stew. Um, they ran. They okay. So again, all the posts make a point to point out that they brought something like twenty pounds of salt and pepper, and they ran out in the first year of eating even food. That's how flavorless it was. Oh man. They also had like a yeastless bread. Which made the crew shit literal bricks unless they drank <laughs> gallons of water. <laughs> uh, the team had better luck with fruits. They said that the Ebens had something had some things that were not unlike uh, tomatoes, but they were a different color. Um, okay. Melons, which were melons, and then something mm. like an apple. Mm. They also had something like um, head lettuce. Okay. Like a leafy, bushy plant. Okay, easy. And then a tuber like a potato. But it wasn't, and it just kind of tasted bland. Everything tasted bland on Serpo. Okay. They also didn't party, Josh. The Ebens weren't into drinking. And I'm sure you can imagine all the booze the astronauts brought, or the the team. (laughs) They're not astronauts, goddammit, Mark. I guess they are, because they are nodding the astro. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so fuck it. All the astronauts. Um, they did bring booze. The Ebens didn't drink alcohol. They, they just didn't. It didn't do anything to them. It wasn't a thing that affected them. What they had, though, 
were these great big pine trees. Remember I mentioned Little Montana with all the pine trees, Josh? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the Ebens would go up and milk these trees, which would produce a slightly viscous, sticky, white milk-like substance, which the Ebens just love to drink. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it got them high. Maybe it got them a little buzzed. Something. Um, the humans reported it just kind of tasted salty. Which, okay. I'm sorry, it's white and you rub a tree for it, it's salty. Okay, we all know what we're yeah, talking about here. Yeah, it seems a little, I mean, hey, whatever happens off-world stays off-world. But also, yeah, a little. It's not gay if the so if the sun's, if, it's not gay if the planetary system's binary, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Baby, we're all binary here. <laughs> Shut up, baby, I'm binary. Now, Josh, I don't got to tell you, buddy, that this high-fiber diet of alien food. So, you know, why do you eat salad? You keep the wheels running, so to speak. You need the fiber. You and I are both in our middle 30s, and we can both say that I've had to uptake. My name is Mark, and I need to eat more kale. Uh, And and my name is Josh, and I've eaten nothing but Raisin Bran for breakfast the last last five years of my life. Exactly. So I can tell you, so you don't need to imagine what this high fiber diet will do to a human colon, right? Yep. Well, within about a week of arriving on Serpo, the humans found themselves in a literally shitty situation. (laughs) You see, Josh, the Eben people, well, they lack a waste disposal system because their bodies are highly efficient and they shit one time a week and it's about the size of a cat's. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So they, once a week, they just have a little cat poop and then they just kind of do like what you do with your cat poop and you throw it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a problem. Uh, But it was for the humans because a dedicated waste disposal plant had to be created by the Ebens to to (laughs) facilitate all the human shit out of 12 people. They built a building, Josh. They built a fucking building to process (laughs) how much the humans were shitting. So once again, it is real because of how because of how specific it is. (laughs) Which also, like, okay, so being fair, and I'm man. Again, two wizards. We look into the abyss so that you don't have to. You know, Quincy comes in here. He leaves a present for me. It weighs all of what, like. Two ounces, three ounces. Yeah. Uh, my my own productions are easily like an order of magnitude more than that. <laughs> At least ten corrects. So yeah. <laughs> so imagine, you know, shoe on the other foot. We had some aliens come. We we had a dozen aliens come here, and they drop two hundred pounders on us. Yeah, and yeah, 200 pounds times 12. Yeah, we'd probably have to build a special building just to like accommodate them. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah, that makes sense. Well, or, or okay, 2200, one order of magnitude, two orders of magnitude. So it's, it's a lot of shit. It, it's a lot of shit that their infrastructure was not prepared to handle. <laughs> it's a shitload. It is a shitload. <laughs> so like somewhere in this because you know steven spielberg made the movies but we didn't see this scene 
I need to see an uptight Sergeant Hardass explaining to an alien what it means to take a shit at 6 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) And then to that end, I'm also reminded of the time that I took a shit in Matt Clark's cat's litter box and he thought his cat was dying because it took a human shit. (laughs) (laughs) Human size. (laughs) Well, I'm also... uh, and. I think it's maybe been a while for this. So, listeners, dust off your bingo cards because uh, oh. Josh is going. Josh is going to make a Futurama reference when uh, Fry and Juror have their like inverse ET moment, and Fry eats what he thinks are M and M's. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an entire thing. That all right, boy, howdy! I'm excited to go on this spaceship and explore an alien planet, but you don't think, but you don't really think about. Some of the other, like, necessities all that time. <laughs> and it's weird, too, because, you know, everybody poops. Everybody poops. And some poops. a lot more than others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. So, you know, not only is pooping a problem, but mm. turns out the human body isn't good at soaking up radiation from two suns. Oh, yeah. That's a whole... That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Something you got to... Again, maybe they brought some sunscreen. Maybe not. Uh, The entire team got at least skin cancer. Some got it worse than others. Mm. They made a rudimentary sunscreen out of local uh, serpian? I don't know. Serpo plants. Uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah, They made a sunscreen, you know. Real big. Ebens don't burn. They don't know what that is. They also wear clothes, Mm. but, you know... The Evens yeah, but also burn. on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just, it wasn't a thing that they had to deal with. And they could charge, you know, 40 bucks for a bottle of suntan lotion in St. Croix. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> Fucking take it back from the white man. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to leave you with this impression that, like, the Eben people weren't technologically advanced. I mean, they, of course, they had interstellar travel, right? Right. But they were also the masters of DNA, Josh. Oh, okay. They had perfected cloning sometime in their early history. Let's go. All right, <laughs> Ebens. As as a matter of fact, you remember uh, that Eben that came to Earth as the foreign exchange student, Noah? Mm-hmm. Turns out he was a clone of EBE-1, the initial Eben <gasps> that the humans had made contact with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my right? Heart, my heart just grew three sizes today. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's amazing. <laughs> um, well, I like that you think it's sweet because the humans didn't think this was super sweet. In fact, it got super dicey when, you know, just because they had full unrestricted access. Uh, one of the members of the team found a morgue full of species of animals and what looked to be humanoid aliens that weren't endemic to Serpo. Oh, wow. Remember, okay. there's like two types of birds, a fucking armadillo, a fucking mountain lion with a beard, and a bunch yeah. of stupid ox. Like, Yeah, not not a very biodiverse. Yeah. yeah. The Eben scientists said, number one, hey, they came with us, but they died here on the planet. We're just keeping them, you know, because we're scientists. But they said, if you want to check it out, we got a zoo. And so they took the humans to an alien clone zoo. Oh, okay. So, oh, all right. An alien clone zoo. So, 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 not... so a zoo of alien animals that they'd cloned. That, that they cloned. That's maybe slightly better. Maybe. Because 
Because it's, yeah, it's like not entirely like self-sustaining or self-sufficient, but yeah, instead of like going off and like kind of kidnapping or enticing, I mean, it, yeah, even kidnappings may be too negative, but hey, Leia, uh, you're one and done, so. Hmm. Well, you say that, but oh, you remember that doctor who died of the stroke? <gasps> oh, no, no, Mark, don't, don't you. There was also a clone to... of the doctor. But it, they couldn't get it to work. Okay. I, w- I was going to say, like, and then if that doctor, like, just popped around the corner and said, Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember me. No, no, no. They they found a clone of the doctor in one of their bio labs. Multiple clones, according to at least mm. one or two sources. Multiple failed clones. Because there's something about humans that makes us just so goddamn unique. Wink, wink, wink. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> It's not good times on Serpo, Josh. The food fucking yeah. sucks. It's hot as fucking shit. We're getting attacked by goddamn mini cockroaches and getting cloned. You know what else sucks is the inability to keep time. Remember how this was a 10-year exchange? Yeah. Well, come to find out, it turned into 12 years. Whoa. Okay. At some point, Serpo had lost contact with Earth. And in losing that contact with Earth, they lost the ability to, like, kind of be like, hey, you guys are coming back next week, right? (laughs) Until communications were reestablished, and it was determined that the team had been gone way past their window. So, the return mission was scheduled. So, the humans returned to Earth in 1978. Seven men, one woman, maybe, question mark, redacted, or no, question mark, asterisk, uh, returned. Two people had died on the way to Serpo, or two people died, one on the way to Serpo, one on the planet of Serpo, and the other four decided just not to come home. They liked it on Serpo, <gasps> and they Dang. decided they weren't going to come back. Okay. Well, because I, I, I was also going to say, like, usually also when when a scientific mission uh, goes, goes past its, like, mission, like, expiry dates, like, that's usually a, a good thing, you know, like... Hubble Space Telescope is like well past its uh, best best used by date, um, right? All this, but of course, it also gets trickier when you're talking about like actual living things um, doing that. But yeah, if those four were fine and wanted to like keep keep doing their thing, then yeah, I guess power to them. Yeah, yeah. So the ones that returned were debriefed for six years. Oh man. That's where we get all of the internet postings based off of a couple, you know, different logs and leaked shit and so forth. Um, there's a thing called the Yellow Book. That's where we know that Jesus Christ was Neban. There's a thing called the Red Book, which is a whole... It's It also kind of breaks down into madness. Now, you want to talk about the best way to make something sound completely stupid? How do you do it? You put it on the internet, Josh. And people yeah. will yes and themselves into madness with any fucking thing at all. Like yeah. elections. Or a virus, or the best way to make cookies. We are insane <laughs> as a species. Yeah. The last yeah. member of the team, of the away team to Serpo, died in 2002. Bill Clinton made multiple attempts to keep the program going. He was the program's biggest proponent. He wanted more of it. And if we look at Bill Clinton's presidency, Bill Clinton was all about them aliens, dog. He disclosed to David Letterman when... Letterman asked him, so wait, are you telling me that there are aliens? And Bill Clinton said, there's no such thing as aliens. But he shook his head in a yes. Mm. Clinton knew the truth, Josh, and he kept it going. 
But truth be told, the Ebens just weren't that into us. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not us. It's you. <laughs> yeah. They they wanted no more humanity. Noah went back home, and that was that, Josh. Over 31 years, our relationship with an alien species was founded and established and nurtured and lost on behalf of the United States government. And most of the popular media today is a smokescreen to cover up this failure of an American program because we don't go to Eben on vacation, or we don't go to Serpo on vacation. I don't hang out on Zeta Reticuli when I, you know, want to get away from it all. We don't have the newest Eben fashion trends or food, and we don't hear about the Eben Softball Association. But, buddy, mm-hmm. how do you feel now knowing that 12 humans took a planet or took a journey to an alien planet in the 60s? I, I, I mean, I. Because, like I said before, you, you know, I, I remember hearing this. This was like a yearly thing in grade school. All right, everybody, here's the big, you know, just get out your textbooks that that talk about the Eben, <laughs> the Eben exchange program. And at the time, I would roll my eyes and kind of huff, and I didn't appreciate it then, but boy, howdy, do I appreciate it now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't we just, especially now in this time of Thanksgiving and holiday magic and mayhem and what's it like going to the in-laws house for the first time? (laughs) Well, it's a cultural exchange and it's not always for the best. And sometimes the food is so bad you literally get cancer. (laughs) That's all I'll, I I think we were, were we just married? Were we, man, okay, I'm going to have to double check when this was, but no, so like on, on my in-laws side of the family um and, and specifically the the dad's side um they live in uh las vegas nevada mm. and one of their thanksgiving day traditions is they um go out thanksgiving morning and they go shooting so they oh. just go out to like the desert and they have like a little like clay pigeon uh chucker <laughs> <laughs> and okay. they'll set up like cans and stuff out on the range and i definitely had that that was my experience that was my uh going to the eben planet <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all right uh we're going to go out here and we're gonna discharge all these firearms which is totally fine but because we stopped at starbucks and got coffee on the way over that's that's a problem uh <laughs> So, uh, as, as your stepmother screams in high total yeah. frequencies at the woman because she wished her <laughs> happy holidays. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, but, but also truly like, but, but then also, right. Uh, 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 being, be, be, being grateful for those, for, for seeing those differences, because as much as the differences can kind of shock us and you know maybe sometimes be like all right this is kind of cool it, it it also makes us grateful for what we have i'm sure yeah. all those people just shitting their brains out there on a planet 40 light years away <laughs> I'm, I'm sure when they got back home and when they got out of that extra six-year quarantine and the first time they were able to like 
uh, uh, bite into a, 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 a ribeye steak grilled to order. Uh, I'm, I'm, man, I'm sure that was the greatest, the greatest steak they ever ate in their life. <laughs> Wiping their ass with Charmin to play my country, tis of the sweet land of liberty. <laughs> Oh, the high sink cuts cuts a bite of steak, takes a slam of scotch, takes yeah. a puff of cigar. <laughs> oh god! Oh, oh man! No, Mark, this is this has been a great episode, man. I had no Thank idea. You. you you were right. I had no, no idea clue. where this was going. No clue. It whatsoever. was a success. They pulled it off. It was. We don't fucking know. We, the internet. Yeah. It's all fucking true. It's all fucking fake. You don't know. You prove it to me. I can't prove it because I read way too many pages about it. I had it in a dream. Eben's dreamt of me. Yeah. They're coming tonight. <laughs> Last two wizards. Mark got abducted. Oh man. No. This is. Oh man. This is so great. I. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun. Right on, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. And and listeners, we want to hear from you. What did you think of this episode? It, was this also like, oh, man, this is, uh, uh, yeah, this brought me right back to middle school social studies class and our yearly <laughs> discussion of the Eben affair. <laughs> what things are you grateful for? Are you grateful that you don't have tiny um, cockroaches swarming all over you? Are you grateful that you don't know what an Eben giving birth looks like? <laughs> we always love listening from you, or even just at, at at the very least, what are what are you thankful for? What are you? What do you think? Yeah, you know what? Just what are you thankful for? Uh, give me a good recipe for sweet potatoes, because I'm lacking. Yeah, yeah. We always we always love he- hearing from you, and um, and hey, you, you know we are we are slowly but surely moving towards the end of this year. And our uh, retrospective, and so yeah, it's always nice to like build up that mailbag um, of of listeners who who get in touch with us, and so we will share our you, we will share what you share with us. Uh, so please get in touch with us. Send an email to two wizards podcast at gmail uh, Find us on Twitter at two wizards pod c one. We're active on Facebook. We're active on Instagram. You can find us uh, over at Blue Sky under the uh, High Hammock Radio handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can find me over on Twitter too uh, at Plaid Barbarian. I've, I've I've been kind of lax uh, with with updates, but man, once I get this like dissertation draft out of the way, I'm going to be doing nothing but Twitter for that next <laughs> week or so. So so, <laughs> so 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 get prepared for that. Uh, Mark, what other wonderful things? Maybe, maybe you have a drive, uh, uh, to, to, uh, to a Thanksgiving dinner with friends and family somewhere and you need a way to, to, to pass the five or six hours on, on the road. So Mark, what are some other options for our listeners to help them, uh, uh, make that commute? Oh man, it just so happens. Uh, we've got two amazing podcasts. For that, you know, extra long drive. The Dangle Podcast, a weekly retrospective rewatch of Mike Judge's beloved adult, beloved adult animation classic, King of the Hill, where me and our buddy Johnny take two episodes and discuss them and think about them and rate and review them and see how they hold up. Talk about how they tie into the greater Eben smokescreen. Or, or, 
You can come find me on I Can't Wait to Show My Kids, a weekly cinematic review podcast where me and my buddy Brad and sometimes our buddy Josh and sometimes my other buddy Johnny, well, we come together and we talk about movies, movies that were essential to us that we make the other ones watch. And then we discuss, when is it appropriate to show this beloved thing from my past to my children? And spoilers, Brad and I have terrible movie tastes. You should not watch anything that we're into. It will corrupt your children. But to that end, uh, this week we did uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with John Candy and Steve Martin. And we get spicier than an American trying to overpepper his tasteless Eben soup. You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, and above all, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for being here once again. Happy Thanksgiving, Josh. God damn it. I am thankful for you and our listeners and our weird homunculus boy Gershon who putters about the towers, and I am a wizard. I am thankful for you, Mark. I'm thankful for this episode. I'm thankful for Two Wizards Podcast continuing strong. And I'm also thankful for you listeners who who help us make this happen. So thank you once once again, everybody, for joining us. My name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is or and my name is Mark, and I am a wizard. God, I hope that sounds good in auto tune. Good night, guys. <laughs> Take care. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all! Ah!